Welcome back to the Thunder Buddies Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Martin, and I'm joined by the great Barry Trammell on this fine Friday morning. How are you doing, Barry? Well, not bad. Not bad at all. Uh, getting my NBA fix every night, so that's uh, that's very nice. Well, we got very some nice. good news uh, before we get into some player grades. Um, Shea made first team All-NBA the other night. What was your initial reaction to that? Well, it was certainly expected and well-deserved. I uh, I don't know that uh, he's still gone far enough that he needs to in terms of NBA uh, Q rating. Danny Green calling him shy. But, you know, what are you going to do? Eventually, everybody will learn his name. So uh, it's, a, uh, it's a great honor and well-deserved and, um, you know, if, if, if somebody had picked, I don't know who Curry or I don't, I can't remember who made second team guard, but, um, you know, there's, there's about 12 or 15 players deserving of, of this, uh, consideration and for him to make it's great. If somebody else had made it, you know, he can't gripe too much, but he certainly had an outstanding year. Yes, he and, did. Uh, and more to come, more to come. It was a uh, staff. Curry and Donovan Mitchell on second team as guards. Well, there you go. Um, yeah, well, yeah, Mitchell. I, I thought Mitchell would make it instead of, uh, I guess, Donk. They put Donkic in there, which was, um, you know, again hard to argue with. But anyway, um, I, I think it's just another, another uh, sign that this is a guy that can really. Uh, take a team to the highest level because you know it didn't seem that long ago we were debating is he an is he an a-list player is he is he a number one option on a really good team a, a playoff contending team and now we don't have those debates anymore we sort of know uh yes the answer is yes he is i'll raise my hand wearing a dunce cap right now i thought that he wasn't going to be this level of player uh whenever they first got him or even the first couple of years when he was around but he's definitely impressed me and then <clears throat> on top of that, I mean, in 15 years of Thunder basketball, 18 different guys have made all NBA teams or 18 different appearances, not different guys. It's been right. Durant, Westbrook, Paul George, Chris Paul, and now Jay Gilgis Alexander. Well, you know, the other thing is um, I made a list the other day. It is it is five now five individuals, those that you mentioned, and the only teams with more in those 15 years are the Lakers and the Celtics with six each. So yeah, Oklahoma city has been blessed with elite talent and uh, you know, that's not even counting Harden who, you know, was certainly a fabulous player while he was here. He, he made all NBA after he left, but yeah, we've been very lucky. There's not any question about that. Very, very lucky. Well, I think we're lucky also because the Thunder have a great head coach in Mark Dignall, who we're going to start discussing now. But did you see the highlight of him on Twitter at the Live like uh, Pro-Am tournament where he hit a golf ball off the tee and it hit a cameraman's like camera? Well, I did see it. And I go back to this is yesterday. Um, uh, you see, uh, you sent me an outline for this uh, for this podcast and. Going to opening with Mark Dagnall, and then you have about five points in there. And your fourth point is main points of improvement over over the summer. What would you like to see him work on 
an ad for next season. And um, we'll get to this in a minute. And frankly, those kind of questions for me are difficult when it comes to the coaches. Yeah. Because I really have to rock my head around it. But then Dagnall goes up to Tulsa and answers the question for me for crying out loud. Um, we've spent a good part of the last two or three years talking about how intelligent this guy is. But to make the decision to play in a pro-am in Tulsa with that kind of golf game is, you know, brings into the, the entire question of, of how intelligent he actually is. So, uh, yeah, I, I've played in a pro-am. I think once in my life with the senior PGA and, but it's not, it was not the kind of, uh, it was not the kind of program where you had a gallery. So Mark, you're going to have to, you're going to have to question, you're going to have to reassess your decision-making. This is what is known as a bad, this was, this was a bad shot. And I don't mean it was a bad swing. I mean, that, that was a bad decision to, uh, to go up and play in that uh, pro-am if that's the level of your golf game. Um, and he just happened to hit old T.J. Eckert's camera, right, uh, you know, sideways. But uh, I did not know Mark Dagnall was left-handed, so you learn something every day. Yeah, I didn't know that either. That, that was pretty yeah. surprising. I'm not the best golfer either. I mean, I could play like Wii Sports, like the little remote where you swing it back and forth. Even mini golf, probably not it. But Mark, you know, yeah. Question some of the decision making, but uh, I loved all the replies from the fans because they used all the markisms and they're like, well, development's not linear and we like the yeah. process. We just didn't like the results. <laughs> and they used all the things like that. So going back it's to always the, co- it's go always ahead. cool when the fans pay attention. Absolutely. Always, I, I, I love that. I love the fans pay attention. Absolutely. Uh, well, going back to the preseason, we'll go backwards here. What were your preseason expectations, if you had any, for Mark Dagnall coming into this season? Oh, I just thought he'd be continue to be a really good coach. He's proven to be an excellent strategist. You know, his out-of-timeout plays, his late-game situations um, seem to be a marked improvement over Scott Brooks and even Billy Donovan. And so uh, I thought we'd see a lot of that continuing. Um, what I didn't know was um you know how he might uh, how he might fare with the continued development of young players and the continued development of a budding superstar in SGA and that went great um i just i was uh, i didn't know how he would fare with what appeared to be not a culture clash, but sort of a timing clash. Thunder was still sort of in tank mode. Um, at least you thought they would be going into the season, but they would have the chance to win more games. And how would he deal with that? Um, and, uh, you know, that's a delicate balance because um, player development versus winning games are, is, a, is a culture clash even if everybody's on the same page. So though that my expectations were that he would handle that fairly well. Um, he seems to handle tough questions well, tough situations well. So my expectations were that he would do that. And then um, sort of what happened was the, he brought that team along so well 
that the questions were sort of answered for him. He didn't even, you know, we didn't even have to ask him, hey, how do you do that? Because, you know, they got in the they got in the play in race and made the play in and won a game. So but it was sort of that was my questions going in is how's he going to handle this continued culture clash of fairly good enough to win some games, but also clearly still in the situation where you need to lose some games too. I had some thoughts in a similar vein where I just wanted to see him continue development of younger guys and exploring the roster. That's another Markism, exploring the roster, building good habits for guys on the team and holding them accountable. And I feel like he did that. I feel like a lot of the guys got better. He wasn't afraid to bench guys such as Josh or Lou in different stretches of games and show them like, just because you're one of our main guys or you're a lottery or you're a top 10 pick or anything like that doesn't mean you're not going to be held accountable and you need to play a certain way. Like, how we're expecting you guys to play and those guys responded to it they didn't pout they didn't fight it they responded and ended up playing better no you're exactly right um and his the the thing about Dagnall he has passed with flying marks the uh the situation where you're dealing with uh young players how to bring them along, how to motivate them, how to discipline them, as you mentioned, um, how to how to keep them progressing on a on a ascending uh, on an ascending slope. But the 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 so I guess the next thing we're going to see from him is how does he how does he handle the next stage of of players' personality when. They're not as quite as young. They're not quite as vulnerable. They're not quite as um, impressionable. You know, SGA is now an international superstar. You know, he's got he's as likely to be on the cover of Vogue as he is Sports Illustrated. So, um, you know, how do you handle a, a personality like that? How do you handle uh, you know a giddy when he's not a teenager anymore and he can drink legally and how do you handle uh you know santa clara williams or arkansas williams and all that when uh maybe the uh all the jokes about their names doesn't really isn't as funny to him anymore and uh how do you how do you handle lou dort who's quickly becoming a seasoned veteran you know lou dort's played a bunch of games and he's played four nba seasons and he's been in a bunch of back alleys so you know, the next stage of, of player coach relationship, I think is going to be interesting for Dagnold. Yeah, I agree. And we saw it with Scott Brooks, like you talked about, there are different coaches for different eras of the team. I think he was good for developing this team and kind of like honing some of the good things about those Durant Westbrook teams and letting them kind of flourish and uh, kind of explore what they needed to. But at the same time, you kind of need a different coach to get over the hump and we'll find out if Mark is one of those rare guys who can do a little bit of both, but it should be interesting yeah. going into next year. Um, do you have any more thoughts on that before we get into his best and worst no, moments of the I, season? No, I, I think that's a very good point you made. Um, because the one thing we don't know is Dagnall handling potentially difficult personalities. I mean, the Thunder, since Westbrook was traded, um, let's be honest, um, the Thunder's been a pretty easy team to coach. I mean, you don't have any Malcolm. Even 
I mean, he wasn't the head coach in 20 with, uh, with Chris Paul, but, um, but in the SGA era, it's been a likable team. It's been an easy team, easy going. You know, they seem to have fun. But when, you know, when these guys are grown up and the pressures of life, the pressures of their career, pressures of agents and outside, whatever, um, that's going to be, it's going to be a different dynamic. And how can he relate to that? Now, he's really sharp. His communication skills are pristine. It's the most underrated thing about Mark Dagnall. His ability to communicate is just through the roof in terms of connecting with people on all levels, saying the right thing, knowing the right words to say, uh, being able to do it fairly quickly. Those are underrated traits in human beings, much less basketball coaches. So I think he's pretty well equipped to do it, but still we got to see him do it. Three years from now, if – if the Thunder is a 55-win team and SGA is a superstar and one of these other young guys is great and Chet Holmgren is blocking three shots a game and making four threes a game and the Thunder's, you know, the, the rage of the NBA, you know, the, this, the, the personalities and the uh, egos are going to be completely different than what we've seen from Thunder U the last couple of years. So that's, that's what we – that's really what we need to be looking at, I think, when it comes to to Mark Dagnall. I'm glad you mentioned the communication stuff because I feel like this is something that you're kind of seeing overall in the NBA sports as well, but mainly the NBA is the uh, rise of coaches sort of like him and in the Steve Kerr vein of not the typical Bobby Knight scream at them, Greg Popovich. I think you're seeing a lot more guys who are just relationally better with players, and that's what players gravitate towards now and want to play for more at least at the nba level i think i think it's true gonna it's gonna be coming more and more true at every level i mean and frankly why was it ever cool i mean are you motivated if you know if your boss yells at you or pat you on the back and say good job what if we worked on this which one of those works best for you I mean, it's not even debatable. So why does it? Why did we ever think it was cool on the on the field to play? Um, uh, high school, college, youth sports—none of that. I just think that's going to become less and less a thing, and it's going to become more and more. Hey, positive, you know, reinforcement is 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 going to push out negative reinforcement. I'm 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 convinced of that. I agree with that. So let's go with the positive side of things and talk about Mark's best moments of the season. I think Mark's best moments of the season, best moment, or this isn't a moment, but the best trend, the best development is when he, when he committed, and this wasn't just him. I think there's a franchise decision, but when he committed to a fluid, and changing rotation. Um, remember early in the year, all of a sudden the Thunder would play 11, 12, 13 guys in a game. Um, he played 12 guys in the first half. Somebody would not play in the first half and then play a bunch in the second half. And the NBA has become fairly regimented in terms of its rotations. Um, players say or indicate that they want 
to know what the role is and what it's going to be. But the Thunder sort of threw out that out the window. Now with that SGA, we know what he's going to play and all that kind of stuff. And we knew Dort's, you know, what his role is going to be. But Aaron Wiggins start some games, not play in other games. Um, you know, Trey Mann, JRE, all kinds of people. <laughs> their their minutes would float around. Their roles would flow around. And all of a sudden, it became the norm instead of the instead of uh, something new and strange. And Dagnault made it work. And what it did is it it made everybody be ready. It got a lot of people on the court. It created uh, minutes for people that might not have been expecting them. Um, it it certainly helped when guys got hurt. So I just thought that was an intriguing thing. Um, and you know, late in the year they didn't do it as much, and then in the in the playing game they didn't do it at all. I don't think. I think we played. Uh, I think we saw nine guys playing. Is that right? In against uh, New Orleans and and uh, Minnesota, I think. I, but anyway, he, he adjusted when he needed to. But for the most part, the Thunder threw all the convention out the window, and that was early in the year. And some of what they did, I think, worked. Some of what they did didn't work. But I thought, all in all, it was a very good. I thought that was the sign that Mark Dagnall is not a cookie cutter coach and he's going to try new things and we'll see what happens. Crazy enough. I had that for my best and worst parts of the season is that he explores the roster and you'll find something (laughs) you need. But at the same time, Barry, if you're digging for treasure every day, you're not going to find treasure on every time you stick your shovel in the dirt. (laughs) So there are some lineups where you're watching and you're like, does this guy really need to be out here? Or do we really need to explore the part of the roster where we're playing Lindy Waters at the five or something like that? But I think that Mark did a great job of exploring, like we said, just kind of being a mad scientist and just trying different things. And that's how you find Kenrich at the five. That's how you find some of these small ball lineups that's how you find um, some of these different um, play styles that you wouldn't normally get to but at the same time it can't all be uh, striking gold yeah well Arkansas Williams is an example I mean there's not there's not too many NBA franchises that would have played him much at all and yet you know by midseason he's a starting center and it's a case of just by doing stuff, you you find stuff, and um, you know, long term, that kind that kind of thing probably pays off more than it hurts. But it does come at a cost. Like the development of Trey Mann probably was inhibited uh, to a small degree by that. His minutes were sporadic, uh, up and down. He'd probably be better off if he would have have sort of been in the same kind of rotational thing he saw as a rookie. But a a sort of collateral damage, um, if you're going to play 12, 13 guys, you know, the ninth and tenth man on your roster is going to suffer. It's not SGA that's going to be sitting out. It's going to be the ninth and tenth man. So that kind of thing, you're right. It's got its downside, no doubt about it. What would you say is the um, lowest part of the season or moments or anything like that? Or would you have sort of the same? Well, yeah, probably the same. I mean, um, I can't remember ever. You know, 
maybe the the lowest to me the lowest point of the season was that Charlotte home game. Yeah, where they lost and uh, looked like it might cost them the play in berth. And you know, that's the game where he played Poku for the first time coming off the ankle. Well, I think it was an ankle, but um, oh, his broken leg. In, yeah, his yeah, broken, broken leg. leg. I think I think it was the first time he'd played in almost three months, two and a half months. Mm-hmm. And um, Poku played ten minutes. Actually, didn't play bad. But that's also the game where Saric didn't play until the fourth quarter, and sort of out of desperation move, Mark put him in and. Charlotte's lead jumped from three to 13 in three minutes. And I thought, you know, the, that's the games have sort of added a new import now that we've reached April and you're out there still sort of screwing around. But then, you know, but you talk to them. The problem with Dagnall is, golly, he's got an answer you can't argue with most of his answers when you ask him about it. For one thing, they were shorthanded that night. I forgot who all was hurt, but, um, Somebody had to play, you know. Uh, you could say Saric should have played instead of Poku, but Saric did play and was terrible. So, um, but just, that was probably it. The, probably the, the lowest moment was the fact that even when the games got into crunch time before the, you know, down the stretch of the regular season, he was still doing experimental stuff. So. That's probably the most frustrating moment. But like I said, he had a reason for it. He had a reason. Yeah, you, you said he had an answer for everything. I remember one of the questions that I had in a post game he sat me down for was um, I asked him about Isaiah Joe not getting so many shots in the game. He goes, first of all, it's a one game sample size. I was like, OK, fair. <laughs> got it. Understood. That That's a fair, <laughs> fair yeah. one towards me. But yeah, he's he's very quick with it. He's very great talking with people. Um, it's going to be very fun seeing his improvement, which speaking of improvement or actually not improvement, let's do the grades first. How would you grade Mark's season? Oh, I'd give him an A. Uh, the NBA intelligentsia certainly gave him an A. They made him the runner up and coach of the year. Um, <clears throat> about the only thing you can knock Mark for is he's remains low key and low profile. You know, this time last year, he was on the ballot for coach of the year, and they listed him as Mike. So he's come from far back in the pack. You know, it's a long way from Mike Dagnall to second in the voting. Um, but and and it's hard to it's hard to raise your profile outside the playoffs. Thunder had virtually no national TV games. I assume that'll change next season. But but. He did a wonderful job, and I don't you know the uh, uh, giving him an A is is you know I think automatic, automatic. Yeah, I'd give him an A too. Just the way that he's helped the roster kind of level up with a bunch of young guys and get guys who are rookies and give them impactful minutes where they continue winning. It's not necessarily always to the detriment of the team, which you see with a lot of young guys. You know, they talk about you know this guy's not ready to win. But both Jalen Williams come in and they're impactful and helpful and Mark put them in a position to succeed. I'd also have him at an A. But um, as we were saying, improvement, what would he need to improve on this summer, which is I know is hard as a coach to get an A or better next year? I would like to see him 
I, I would like to, I, I think the improvement of Mark Dagnall will be seen through the prism of the improvement of some other particular players. For instance, Lou, Dor Lou Dort shot selection. Lou takes some bad shots, some shots he probably shouldn't take. And some of the shots are okay shots with six seconds left on the shot clock, but not with 16 seconds left on the shot, that kind of thing. Um, everybody knows it. Every teammate knows it. Every fan knows it. Lou himself probably knows it. Um, but if, if Dagnall can, can work with Dort to where that is manifested on the court, to me, that's a big step for, for Dagnall's coaching. Um, <clears throat> I'd agree with if that. He can, oh, go ahead. If he can, if he can find ways, you know, I'm thinking of, uh, you know, if if we can see Arkansas Williams become more of an interior player, he's been fantastic out on the perimeter offensively, but you know you, you don't want centers to be that one dimensional. Some are, but it's preferable if they're not. So if he can find ways to to make somebody like like Jalen Arkansas Williams more diverse, that to me would be a, a big step in the right direction for. For Dagnall, those kinds of things. Just I in terms of the way overall communication, overall strategy, that kind of thing, you know, I got nothing. I got nothing for Mark Dagnall. But if we can see some individual development from players, then then maybe so. Yeah, the Lou Dort one is the question of the, uh, the offseason, and he mentioned it in exit interviews to us that he um he knows it's a problem and he needs to work on it, but with Mark, I just want to see him continue to learn from his mistakes and just keep making mistakes so he can keep learning from them. I mean, obviously, the Thunder are on an upward trajectory, but let's learn from those mistakes now and not whenever you're in the playoffs in the second round and you lose in a game seven or something like that. Let's let's try to yeah. get those lessons learned early, but continue to work with the guys on the team to get a good feel for where they thrive on the floor and where they feel most comfortable. And I feel like we'll be... Uh, feeling very peachy next year if he can do that yeah i would agree i would agree well moving on um jalen williams <laughs> j-dub santa clara williams was named first team all rookie uh earlier this week he is the first thunder rookie to make first team all nba rookie since russell westbrook in 2008 2009 wanted to get your thoughts on that and then your uh preseason expectations for j-dub well um I just thought he had a phenomenal year. I remember seeing him in the summer league and thinking, wow, this guy can play. And then early in the year, even when he got that mask, I remember thinking, wow, this is, this guy looks like the real deal. And then turns, he turned into a wonderful player. Um, the question I have is we've been told, been pounded into our head for, years now that one of the reasons a guy like Williams falls in the draft or he actually rose in the draft but goes where he goes in the draft is because of his extensive college career he was a three-year guy at uh, Santa Clara so um, one of the reasons is his NBA improvement his nba potential is limited because he's not 19 years old 
sort of the opposite of Josh Giddy. That doesn't always hold true, of course. And can he buck the trend? Can he can he make big steps year by year? And if he does that, heck, he's going to be a star. But, you know, I don't know what to – I'm anxious to see. Let's see. He's going to be – I think he turned 22 in the last month or so, I think, if I remember right. One of these guys did. I think it was him. Can he at 22 make a significant step? Can he make the kind of steps Giddy made from 19 to 20? Can he make the kind of steps that SGA made year by year? And, um, you know, the expectations for Santa Clara, they changed by month, really. I mean, in November, we thought, hey, this guy's pretty good. By December, we, we were saying, hey, this guy's really good. By January, we were having, you know, thinking this guy's a cornerstone. And by, you know, was his big month, what month was his big month? I forgot, was it? Anyway, one of those months, he was so sensational. I mean, we, we got him in Springfield, Mass. We got him going to the Hall of Fame. You know, I, I don't think he can make that kind of consistent jump. But, man, um, if he can could just keep improving, it's going to be wild what, what we see out of this guy because he's um, – for NBA national writers to, to, pin, to pin screeds for this guy about – Maybe he should be rookie of the year. Maybe he should be uh, get it ahead of Paolo Banchero. That's a remarkable, that's a remarkable uh, achievement. And so the future is very bright, very bright for Santa Clara Williams. Yeah, I just expected him to be more a three and D role player who made uh, plays on defense, but he uh, definitely blew those expectations out of the water. The nicest thing that we said about him all season is that he has hardly ever looked like a rookie. Like, I don't feel like he looked like a young player until the postseason. Yeah. Yeah. Here's, here's his 15 March. In, in 15 games in March, he averaged 19.8 scoring, 4.5 assists, 6.1 rebounds. He shot 56.6 from the field, 46.7 from three-point range, and 87.5% from the foul line. And he was not a... Uh, and he was a net positive on on defense. He was wasn't a great defender, but he was a good defender and a versatile defender. I mean, he looked like a, he looked like a player. The Warriors or the Celtics or somebody would say, "Hey, we're in the NBA. Uh, we're in the conference semifinals. Let's go play thirty minutes tonight." So, crying out loud, what a what a find and what a player and hopefully what a future. Like I told you, it reminds me of Andre Gudalo, some of that positional versatility where you can just throw him out Ooh. there. I mean, he guarded yeah. one through five this year and played one through five. He didn't you know, necessarily guard all five positions at an elite level, but he was really good in that role whenever they asked him to. Man, that's oh man. You get my blood you get my blood pumping when you you know, people have thrown out all kinds of guys, similarities, but Iguodala is an old favorite of mine. Every time I see him on the bench, he, he's been in street clothes this whole series, these playoffs. But every time I see him on the bench, I think, there's Andre Iguodala. So, um, uh, yeah, if, if if he can get in that neighborhood of player, wow. Thunder's, yeah. Thunder's got him a find.
So let's talk about his best moments from this season. What stood out to you? I just think that stretch there in March where he became the Thunder's second best player and just night after night answering the bell, uh, playing at a, at a high level, and the efficiency for crying out loud. I mean, just, you know, he, he just couldn't – it didn't seem like he had off nights. You know, it didn't seem like he ever – I mean, sometimes he'd only score nine points or something, but it wasn't because he went three of 14 from the field. It's because he went three of five from the field. So just the, just the consistency – and there in March, where he was just so good, that was that was the best. And um, this growing knowledge that hey, this guy's this guy's a real player. And um, you know, the the only downside is you think, how are we going to how 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 is the Thunder going to pay this guy when they got to pay these other guys? And um, it's a really good problem to have. A really good problem to have. Definitely a good problem to have. Uh, one of my best moments for him was just the fact, like you mentioned, his uh, efficiency. The fact that he just for like a stretch of the season decided I'm going to dunk every single shot that I have whenever <laughs> I go in the lane. Yeah, he, it was fantastic. He, he was uh, he led the team outside of some players who just barely played. He, he led the team in uh, field goal percentage from the restricted area. 72.6% of his shots. I mean, he, he shot like a big, big man from down there. Yeah. And it, it, any big number of those shots were close. 37.7% um, of his shots were from zero to three feet, which is a huge number. Bigger percentage than SGA shot, who drives to the basket all the time. So um, led the th Thunder. You mentioned the dunks. He led the Thunder in dunks with 77. Um, yeah, he's he's a ball-playing fool is what he is. So. Um, you know, there's, there's guys that, you know, there, there, there are rookies who don't get better. Michael Carter Williams is exhibit a Tyreek Evans. Tyreek Evans is another, he had some issues, but, um, but there are, there are rookies who just sort of plateau early and I guess it could happen here, but man, it would be nice. Uh, the odds are that it won't happen here. Most rookies get better. Um, so I, I like everything I saw out of this guy. What what a player. Yeah, what a player. I think a lot of this stuff is repeatable for him, but you know, it's our job to be here a little bit nitpicky. So what are some of the lowest or worst moments from him? Um, I'm hard pressed on that one. Um, I liked everything I saw. I guess I could go back and find some bad games. If, but, you'd, if you'd like, I can say mine, which is... Uh, okay, go yeah, go ahead. The fact that sometimes, like you mentioned, the three of five games just needing more. Yeah. It feels like so, yeah. there's a lot of those games where it's like, you know, Shea has 30, and then the next closest guy has 14, and it's Dort. And it's like, really like to see Jalen Williams kind of step up here and be the second guy because Giddy is the second best player on the team as of now until Chet plays maybe, but that's not his role is to be another scorer. And there are some times where it feels like a little bit empty and you'd like to see <coughs> J-Dub as the guy who steps up and fills some of those points in. He clearly deferred a lot. Mm -hmm. 
he acquiesced a lot. He was not the least bit. I can't remember ever one time where he acted like I'm going to take over this game or this is my moment. I can't think of one of those. He re- literally everything came to him. That's what he was about. Just letting it all come to him. But man, uh, if, if he could get a little more assertive, that would be good. Um, in the open court, he was pretty assertive in the, in the, you know, in half court, maybe not so much. Um, but he was a good decision maker. He hardly ever took a bad shot. Um, I just, what, what a player. I just, I, I, I wonder if the Thunder sits around thinking, man, what, how did this happen? We didn't, we didn't see this coming at all. This kind of, this kind of, uh, uh, quick development and you know just to be you know he was the player of the month rookie of the month what the first four months or three of the first four months or whatever it was so and the consistency just game after game night after night he was he was there ready to go yeah in the western conference and he was really great um but what grade would you give him i feel like i i'm sensing an a yeah i'd give him an a i'd give him an a um i don't know if I don't know if there's a, uh, I don't know if there's a uh, avenue towards giving him anything else, but yeah, it's just, I mean, I, I found a few things in his game I wasn't necessarily crazy about, but, um, but yeah, he, he's overall in that. He's he, he's overall in that. Just, um, just playing uh, like a veteran. You know, sometimes here's a fun way to look at a game. Watch a game and try to do it through virgin eyes. Like, I really don't know this team. Haven't seen them play much before. Don't know anybody's name. I don't know that kind of stuff. So watch the Thunder this season and try to pick out the rookies. Who were the rookies? And he didn't seem like a rookie. He's one of the last guys on the – he's one of the last guys you could – think of that would be a rookie i guess uh the one thing you can pick at at santa clara for this uh two things he wasn't nearly as good on the road as he was at home i don't know why that could just be dumb luck the other thing is is his plus minuses were not great in fact they were not very good Mm -hmm. he and giddy both um i don't have an explanation for that but they, the Thunder fared better when he sat. And um, it just, I don't understand it. Maybe some of it has to do with lineup construction. But he played a bunch with SGA, which is the best way to on-court success, I would say. Uh, but that's something to keep an eye on. Surely it's got a reason. But I just don't happen to know what it is. Yeah, that was my gut feeling. It was just lineup stuff. But... He's been really great this year. If there was a way to give him in between an A and an A plus, I'd put it right <laughs> there. I'd maybe an A uh, half plus. I don't know, whatever that would be. A plus just seems like a, a perfect <laughs> season. So we'll put it right below that. But he was great this year. But what would you like to see him improve on for next season, if anything? Well, I mean, I, if he wants to be a super a superstar, if he wants to be Jalen Brown, which is one of the comparisons, he could make that three-point shot even better. What did he finish? I think 36%. Uh, 
which Around I think there. that's what it was. I'll find so it. So if, if if that's if that's what he is as a rookie, it's likely to go up. But if he can get up close to the forty percent, well, then he's a star. No matter whatever whatever else happens to improve, but that's the, that's one thing I can tell you: the NBA, uh, uh, the NBA collection of ball players has no interest in Santa Clara getting really good on the three point shot. Because then they will be saying, what do we do with this guy? And that's sort of what's happened with Jalen Brown is, you know, people don't know what to do with the guy now that he can, you know, make a 26-footer on a regular basis. So that'd be it. If, improve that three-point shot. Yeah, 36% uh, from three is right where you were at. And I agree with that. Maybe a higher volume as well. He's only taking around two and a half threes a game. Um, sometimes guys shoot better just because they're selective. So I'd like to see him vary it up just a little bit even if it makes him go down one or two percent if he's shooting at a higher volume where it just makes him a little bit more dangerous but just some light nitpicking on that and uh just seeing him be more aggressive in those spots where they need him to be yeah 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 he's um an increased knowledge on defense that's gonna come but you know, the smarter he gets he's already a smart player but the smarter he gets on how to guard people that'll help a bunch but yeah, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this guy plays in the future. This is, this is, uh, I don't know that I've been as excited about a Thunder rookie as I have been since Russell Westbrook. And I think I'm more excited about Santa Clara Williams than I was James Harden. For good reason. Santa Clara had a better rookie year than James Harden. He was a better player as a rookie than James Harden was. So this is, it was it was a big time year. I thought you were going to say I haven't been this excited about a Thunder rookie since Josh Giddy. I always like those stats <laughs> where ESPN goes. This is the first time that number one and number two in college football have lost in the same weekend back since 2019. That's yeah, like that's wow. Right. <laughs> yeah, since two weeks ago. Yeah, since last yeah. week. This is the first time this happened. It's like yeah, maybe you guys hold on to that stat. I don't know how great that is, but we'll go from one Jalen Williams to another Jalen Williams out of Arkansas, Jay Will. What were some of your expectations for him? I think it's kind of hard to have any for a second-round pick. I had none. I really didn't think he would play. I thought he'd be a. I thought he'd be a G leaguer all year, with possible exception of injury call up or something. I had no idea that he might make the roster and and be on the team. You know, the whole season and that kind of thing, and be in the rotation and then start and all those things. Um, early in the year, I forgot he was on the team. Cause if you remember, he didn't, he didn't play much early. Yeah. It was all blue um, for him early. Yeah. And when, and when he'd play, when they put him in, I'd think, oh yeah, he's on the team. I forgot about him. Um, so, uh, that, and you know what? He went pretty long in that role. Close to Christmas, if I remember right, maybe two months. I think that mm -hmm. I think the January third game against Boston is when his shooting sort of blossomed. He started making threes, and from then on, of course, he was part of everything. But yeah, my expectations were nil. Um, I mean, no one's had more fun with the Jalen Williams, Jalen Williams stuff than me. But when they drafted him, I thought, why would you do that? I mean, it's just a guy. I mean, I watched him play it. Play, he played OU when he was a last year at Arkansas, and I didn't even notice him 
I didn't even remember him. You know, four months later, five months later at the draft, I think, did he play against OU? And I went and looked it up, and he did. And I thought, well, I don't even remember the guy. So I had no expectations. And, of course, he, he debunked that pretty quick. Same here. Not a lot of expectations. My only memory of him in college was whenever he took like three charges on Chet and that's, uh, in the uh, NCAA tournament and everyone was very <laughs> angry at him because we wanted to see more Chet at the college yes. level. Yes, that is exactly right. But what were some of his uh, best moments, worst moments of the season? I mean, it's it's hard to really have bad or good whenever there weren't a lot of expectations, but he he played a lot this year and I think he had some spots on both ends of the spectrum. Well, in the best game ever played by a Thunder basketball team, the very best game ever played by a Thunder basketball team, the 150 to 117 route of Boston on January 3rd without SGA and Celtics had virtually all their players. That was Arkansas Williams coming out party. He made two, he made two of three deep balls. And all of a sudden you thought, now, at the time, you thought, well, he's just caught up in this wave of everybody making shots. But turns out that was his announcement that, hey, I'm here to play. And from then on, he uh, he was an integral part of the team, uh, part of the offense, an outside threat at all times. Um, gave the Thunder the ability to play five out. And that, that was the best moment, is that Boston uh, sort of a uh, – debutante if you will uh ball where they said hey, look at this guy and so we did and we liked what we saw that was that i think that was the highlight of the season the uh the best moment of the season i'd say him shooting 40 percent from three this year just his energy um him yelling boom after every made three and then finally the the hook shot that he made in the play-in against new orleans oh that was cool that was cool uh yeah that was big time he he went from he went from three-point specialist to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in a, in a quick nanosecond. Um, but, yeah, he's he was a fun player, too, for crying out loud. He's got the world's best smile. Literally has the best smile I think I've ever seen on planet Earth. And just, you know, just a find. That's all you can say about Arkansas Williams, just a find. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with him. I don't know what his future holds, but what a find for this season. No doubt about it. Well, you just said all those glowing things about him, and unfortunately I'm going to ask you for his lowest points of the season right after. Oh, well, I mean, we're not going to count, I don't think we should. I don't think we're going to count those first two months where he he barely played. Um, You know, he had some... He had some games where he didn't do much, and uh, things got a little... Things got a little dicey, but uh, for the most part, um, he was a guy you could really count on. Uh, so I don't. I was trying to. The low points were this: when you saw that he was getting overpowered, and you saw that, hey, then. He's six ten, whatever. What is six ten two forty? But is he go- ever going to be big enough to to patrol the paint the way Kevon Looney does, or somebody else that's not maybe as high as tall as as you want him to be? Um, so 
you know, no specific one minute or moment, but just when, when the times when he wouldn't get a rebound that you knew he should have sort of got. Um, and you just wondered what his future really holds because, um, you know, they went to Phoenix that one game. There it is. They got, they get, they get whacked and he's a minus 25 on the, when he's on the floor. And you think, yeah, oh, when the, when the competition really increases, can he hold up? Um, and those questions remain. He's not a settled NBA player, I don't think. He probably will be. That shooting's certainly going to give him every opportunity. But there's no assurance that he's going to be in the NBA three years from now. I think he will be, but I'm not sure. And it's just because the physicality could swallow him up. Yeah, I had the same of just, I don't feel like it was that many just game to game or like end to end games of just like him getting dominated. But you could see the flashes that stood out. Like you said, it's not just one play, but you recognize it when you see it of just like the flashes as, uh, of his physical limitations against certain guys. Like nobody on planet Earth is probably guarding Anthony Davis. So we can chalk that up. But the ones where you're just kind of getting bodied by just regular NBA players or above average role players are the ones where it's like, oh, this might be an issue, but he's still got a lot of time to grow into his body and add some extra strength. I mean, he's not going to get taller or longer, but he can get stronger and smarter. And we've seen other guys with similar uh, similar physiques who have been able to uh, succeed at the NBA level. So hopefully that turns around for him. Yeah. And I'm pulling for the guy because he is such a such a pleasant guy to be around, such a delight. Um, and if you know, and if he keeps making forty percent of his three pointers, he's going to play as long as he wants to. But he could really be an impactful player if he can figure out a way. You know, the the height of his defense is just drawing those charges. The uh, the wave of NBA culture is against that continuing because we saw, uh, you know, three, four weeks ago when the playoffs started, you know, there was a mounting criticism of the charge taker and the, and the guy that tries to get in the way. Um, so the rules might not always be in his favor to play that way. The rim protection might have to be the, you know, rather than the, the, the lane protection be the way to to keep people away from easy baskets so we'll have to see how that all plays out but but i sure like we sh- everybody had to like what they saw this season out of arkansas williams we touched around it but uh last part here for him is um what can we hope or what's the grade actually sorry that's the second time i've almost skipped the whole point yeah, of this is grades I, i'd probably give him an a i mean crying out loud there was nothing expected of the guy on a team that was nothing expected of. And the team flourished and he was a starter. Crying out loud. So um there were a lot of choppy points, a lot of things you can you can say that not completely favorable, but man, the, the totality of the product is he was an impactful player on a team that played way over its head. So I think I think you got to give the guy an A. I really do. I agree with that. I think this is our our highest uh, GPA average, four point for uh, one of these player grade episodes. So congratulations to Mark Jalen Williams and Jalen Williams on a 
making the Barry's uh, Dean's list here, but uh, what could, uh, what would you like to see him improve on for next season? The physicality, uh, stronger. Um, you know, I don't I don't think he can become a one of those undersized bullies who you know stand up to anybody. Bam Adebayo, Kevon Looney, whoever I'm thinking of, but. If he can, if he can get, just get tougher in there, and we already know by tough, tougher is the wrong word, but more physical. Um, taking the charges is great, but standing tough and tall when a guy's pounding you, in, you inside is even better. So that kind of thing. His rebounding needs to be better. I think he's just an okay rebounder. Um, so just just the physical toughness of the game, the physical points of the game. He's tough. He's not scared. Guys that take a bunch of charges, you know, are tough guys, no doubt about it. But just the physicality nature of the game um, is really going to help if if he can if he can get better at that. Yeah, the charges I think sit on one side, but just some added nastiness from him on the floor, on the defensive end for sure, and just attacking matchups. And then just um, some consistency from three. I know he shot 40% from this uh, from three this year, but it felt like a lot of it was just feast or famine games where it's like he's either like five for eight or oh for six. And just a little bit more consistency is what I'd like to see from him. But that's about it. Um, I wonder how sustainable that three-point shot is. I worry about it. He was not a bad shooter at Arkansas. I think he's in the 35% range from deep or something like that. I can't remember, but this was so out of the blue that I worry about, is there a random randomness to it, and especially when people won't don't leave him alone so much going forward? Because, like I said, if he shoots 40%, he's going to play. He may be playing 15 years from now. But that worries me because he was so out of the blue. I don't know that he's a natural-born shooter. If If he can continue to broaden his offensive game and keep making threes, then they then he's a ball playing fool. But I guess what I'm saying is this. I'd keep working on that three-point shot. And most of the time we say that, meaning raise that average. You know, Lou Dort, Josh Giddy, get above 32%. Get above 33%. Santa Clara, get above 36%. But I think I'm saying the opposite for Arkansas Williams, which is we don't we don't need you to improve. We need you to sustain. Keep working on it so you can make sure you keep making 40% or 38% or 39. So he's in a funny, he's in a funny spot in that he was so good at it, but is that sustainable? So that's, you know, that's the one thing that uh that's the one thing that I'm I'm sort of looking at. Just need him to hold on. And we need the rest of you guys to hold on because we have a lot of stuff to talk about this summer. But Barry, thanks for coming on with me today. Do you have anything to plug before we get out of here? Um, no, not thunder wise. I've sort of, uh, sort of, uh, I just finished my series this week on thunder report cards. You know, I did 14 straight thunder report cards 
um, finished up with, I think it was Santa Clara on Monday. People can go back and look at my scissor tails for two and a half weeks before that. And I've got a Thunder report card on each guy, starting with SGA, which would have been, you know, April 19th, I think maybe is when it started, something like that. But um, uh, we'll probably not, probably not have anything Thunder related until a couple of weeks. Um, I do want to ride. Uh, I do want to write about Arkansas Williams smile. He's got the literally the best smile I've ever seen. And, um, he told us some good stuff there. I think you were there too. When he talked about it at the exit interviews, mm-hmm. about where he got it from and why he does it and, um, all that. And of course he's just beaming while he's telling the story. So, um, that's, that's the one thing to look forward to is I'm going to write about, about that killer smile, uh, coming up soon. Can't wait for that. Hopefully, we'll see you talking to some uh, different orthodontists around the state about his uh, smile and the <laughs> relatively yeah, you're how about good NIL. It is. Yeah, you talk about nil. Uh, yeah, if, if if I get that guy as my client, uh, that's a ticket. That's a, that's a winning ticket there. If I'm a dentist, well, it's always fun talking Thunder basketball. Thanks for joining me for this last edition of uh, Thunder Grades here, Barry. And thank you all for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment. Follow us on um, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast. Rate us five stars. Uh, follow us at ThunderBudPod on Twitter. And we'll be back again for more Thunder Talk and more on Tuesday.